The reading today is from Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. Now the whole group of those who believed were one of heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold and brought seeds proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to them, and they brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So uh, this morning our text is from Acts, uh, and between now and Pentecost, which is in about 50 days uh, after Easter, we will be exploring the book of Acts, which is written by the same author of Luke. Luke continues his story in the Acts of the Apostles and how the church spread from first in Jerusalem, then to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth and all of that, and into Judea, and etc. And uh, what we have here is Luke's kind of idealized uh, version of what was going on in the very beginnings of the church as everyone gathered around and asked this question, well, now what do we do? Now that Jesus has risen from the dead and ascended to heaven and empowered us with all kinds of things and the Holy Spirit, now what? And the now what that we hear in the text today, we are told a couple of things. And one is that the church was one in heart and soul that they were of one heart and soul together, which I think is a remarkable thing to say. And I wonder what that means, that we're one heart and soul. I mean, and does it mean, I think we're in trouble if it means being all thinking and feeling exactly the same. Because you know Baptists, uh, anytime there's three of us in a room, there's four opinions happening. And so, you know, we're in trouble if what, what is meant by being of one heart and soul, that we all agree on everything and that we are, we are completely the same, we think and feel the same. Quite frankly, we would look very different if that were the case as a church. Amen? We would be... We would, we would be a very different place. But whenever you have a place like ours, where people from different walks of life, different backgrounds, even different faith traditions come together. Anytime you have people like us, where it's different ages, and we deliberately gather in one church, one setting for people young and old and everything in between together. We do that on purpose. But anytime you do that, you're going to have a lot of disagreement. You're going to have people with different ideas, uh, different, different perceptions of things. Uh, and we're going to have some disagreements. And quite frankly, I like it that way. I think we get a much more robust faith community when we are all bringing our different perspectives together. Proverbs tells us, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And that's 
That's the way it should be, that we, we kind of work with each other in a way and we're, we're forced to kind of reconcile some of those differences. So I'm hoping that that is not really what is being got at here uh, in this text. And I, I feel confident that it's not. Really, what I think is being talked about in this idea of being one uh, heart and soul. There's a word that is used throughout the Old Testament or the New Testament, but in particular in this space, it's a word called it's a word Greek word koinonia, and it's often translated as fellowship uh, in the New Testament. For example, in Galatians, when Paul and Barnabas, who who was just brought up in Acts today, uh, Paul and Barnabas are received in Galatia and and extended the right hand of koinonia, which we translate as the right hand of fellowship, meaning that they were they were brought into the fellowship. They were they were brought into the into the fold. But I think a better understanding of this is one of communion. That's another it's another connotation of that word koinonia. It's communion. That is that we are all brought together by this the shared yet unique experience of the living Christ that transcends all of our differences. I have this incredible relationship with Christ. You have this incredible relationship with Christ, even though we are so completely different. And it is that love, that love bond that we have that emanates from God through Jesus to us that, that transcends all of our differences. It doesn't wipe them out. It it go it rises above them, and it brings us together in spite of all of those things that in the normal world would drive us apart. Things like culture, race, gender, uh, class, if you want to use that crude term, any of those things, geography, and even theological ideas that tend to try and drive us apart. And yet they are brought together in koinonia. Another a good example of this idea of being heart and soul together. We are told in the greatest commandment that we will love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. And I think that's ultimate. And your neighbor is yourself is the second part of that. That's what is at the heart of this idea of koinonia, this idea of communion together of of real fellowship of real connection that transcends all of those differences and so luke describes the early church as being this this koinonia that comes together and and is unified even in the face of uh, a lot of differences the other the other concept that kind of gets lifted up out of this text is one of sharing their possessions together. They didn't, we're told by Luke that they, they held nothing, they hold possessions at all. They regarded nothing as something that they held, but held all things in common and shared everything. And no one was in need. Everybody, they shared their Oreos, they shared their Diet Coke, and uh, we're even told uh, that Barnabas went out and sold a piece of property and just gave the money to this fellowship so that uh, everything, everyone could be taken care of. Now, that's a tall order, I have to say. And uh, 
I, we don't do that, obviously. <laughs> we don't do that. I, I'm not going to say we shouldn't. I, maybe we should. Maybe we should uh, kind of pull things together. I can tell you, I don't want to be in charge of the, the distribution of money and stuff like that. I think that's very difficult. But I think there are some, some things that come out of this, some very practical ideas that come out of this concept that all things were kind of held in common. And actually, it connects back to this, this word koinonia. The word common, that is things that are held in common, is koinos, which is the root of the same word. That is that everything was kind of held in common in this community, uh, in this fellowship in this communion, uh, all things were kind of uh, held in that way. And no one was in need. So there's kind of two things that I think are going on here. One is that people did not regard their possessions as their own. And what I think that looked like is that they said, what do I have? What do I have? How And how can that be put to use to further God's kingdom? How can what I have be used to glorify God and to care after God's people? What, what are my resources being used for in the kingdom of God? I think it's a very, it's a very healthy attitude toward our possessions, toward our money, toward our resources, toward everything we have. And I'm reminded of it, and it doesn't mean that we don't have stuff, but what it means is that we say to ourselves in our heart of hearts, The stuff I have, the things I have been blessed with, are for God's use as God needs them. And one example is, I think I've told this story before, and I forget where I heard it or where I got it. So I'm stealing it probably from some great preacher somewhere. But uh, there's a story that I heard. uh, It was a guy who uh, used to work on this woman's car every... And and it it was an old car, and it was constantly breaking down, so he was always working on it. Uh, for this older woman who who lived alone, didn't have a lot of reason. So he would go and work on her car. And he had just bought himself a brand new, uh, a brand new vehicle. And as he's working on his car, the, this woman's car one day, he thinks to himself, well, you know, she, I have the ability to keep this car running and work on it and keep it going. And this poor woman does not. I have this new car. It's paid for. Uh, and it's gonna, it doesn't need any maintenance. Maybe we should just swap, and then I can take care of this car, and she'll have a car that is very reliable, and she won't have to worry about that. So that's what he did. He gave her his brand new, her, his brand new car, and took her old piece of junk that he had to work on every weekend, and, and swapped it out. Now that's saying to yourself, these things I have are not my own, they belong to God. And they belong to God's purposes. And they belong to the building of the kingdom of God. And i got to tell you, I think this, uh, this notion that we are blessed to be a blessing to others is, a, is key to saving this world. And, and I've been, you know, I, I think you all know, we've, we've been dealing with some, some uh, challenging health issues in our family lately uh, with Michael's diagnosis of MS. And what I keep remarking on or what keeps coming to me is just how incredibly blessed we are to have the resources we do. I don't know how people do it. Uh, Katie knows a bunch of doctors and she's, she calls them up. She knows a lot of 
drug reps who can who we call and answer questions. We get referred to people. We get to the push to the front of the line. We get all kinds of support and love and help and resource and information. And we're you know we have we both have the the blessing of education that we can we can ask the right questions and know how to do this. And we have this incredible community who loves and supports us through it and prays for us through it. And it, it, I'm constantly going, what do people do who don't have this? What do people do who don't have health insurance? What do people do that don't have access to doctors and drug people and all these things who can, how do we do it? Well, how do we do it? And it makes me feel an incredible obligation to make sure that, that while I have these incredible resources, that I am working hard to make sure everyone else gets the benefit of those kinds of resources as well through places like Crossroads Urban Center or advocating for healthcare for everybody and those kinds of things. I feel an obligation because of the blessing that I have. My resources are not my own. They belong to God. Amen. Amen. And they are there for God to use. And if I am blessed, it is because I've got hard work to do on behalf of those who are not as blessed. That's what I think is at the heart of this text for Luke. Luke is trying to say to his community, you cannot stand on your own. You cannot cross the finish line alone. You have to bring someone with you. We all, the goal is for us all to get there and get through life and to have that. The other thing uh, that I think is going on with this thing is not only this idea that we are, that our possessions are not our own, but they were taking care of each other. The obligation is to take care of one another. Uh, and, and here's where I think we do a great job as a congregation. We do a wonderful job of caring after one another, taking care of each other, and, and making sure that, that folks are feeling supported and loved. And I think that's at the heart of this idea of koinonia. We are connected. We are Communal, We are in communion with God and each other. And we have a bond that transcends all those things. Even though you guys, you know, annoy me sometimes, <laughs> we are connected. And even though I know some of you are not happy or about stuff around here or whatever that is. In fact, I, I got to say, I, there's been some negative stuff going on around, a lot of negative talk. Lately, and I'm I'm frustrated with that, but nonetheless, we are still here together, working together, driven by the vision that God has given us—a vision that transcends all of those nitpicky little things that are problems or or things that need to be fixed or problems that need to be solved. What transcends all of that is this vision that God has given us—that we are here. To further the kingdom of God and to bring about uh, that equitable kingdom in our midst and to be the body of Christ here in this community in koinonia together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Great and loving God, you have called us into fellowship. You have called us into koinonia. You have called us into communion with you and with each other. 
May we allow that bond of love we discover in you to indeed transcend our differences and call us together and make us indeed the body of Christ and the hands and feet of Jesus in this hurt and broken world. May we recognize the blessing that you have given us and may that come to us with a sense of obligation to create in our own space the kingdom of God lived out. We thank you. We ask your blessing. Christ, we pray. Amen.